Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for um, the time we can come together tonight to just discuss who you are and talk about uh, the incredible truth that is found in you and that you uh, portrayed when you sent your son down to this earth to not only speak truth, but to in bodily form be truth made in the flesh to us, Lord. Lord God, I just ask that as we um, spend some time tonight, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would stir in our hearts, that you would um, help us all maybe to be challenged a little in areas that we need to be challenged or uh, to grow in areas that we need growth or to, um, Lord, just to, to fall in love with you more than we've ever done. Lord, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so... It's interesting. This is, on the surface, this seems like a really simple question. Hey, what is, what is the truth? What is true? Um, I think this is actually kind of a pretty a personal question that means a lot to me. Um, when we were naming our children, um, we were looking for, for names. And one of the biggest, I think, one of the most important parts of our lives is seeking truth. And... Um, and the name True came up as a, as a possible name for one of our daughters. And we were like, man, that is, that is cool because that kind of is really important to who we are as people is seeking truth. And so, um, so anyway, if you know our family, you know one of our, of our daughter's names is True. Um, and that kind of, kind of goes along with, with just this incredible quest for truth in our lives. Um, what, I have a question. What if you believed a lie? Like what if there was something that you, you believed firmly would you want to know the truth? Would you want to know, uh, would you want that lie to be exposed and to learn the truth, whatever the consequences, whatever the results, even if it meant maybe looking bad or uh, being uncomfortable or meaning like cha- having to change the way we're living or the things that we're doing? I mean, would we want to do that? Um, because truth is, is something that is, is, is so important and I think yet we all kind of have this perceived notion in our minds that we kind of grasp it mostly and we kind of get in our comfortable routine of, of just living our life thinking that, yeah, yeah, you know, this is, this is how I should go in this direction or this way or, or I believe this or I, I do these things and, and we kind of get comfortable in our ways. And so tonight I'm hoping that maybe we can kind of all take a step back and say, is there something that maybe I believe that, that is not you know, in alignment with truth or in alignment with God's word or the way I should live and maybe hopefully be challenged a little bit by it. Um, Perhaps there's no uh, greater question or more relevant or more important in our lives. Um, As you guys know, battles have been fought throughout history over, hey, this is my land. No, this is my land. Well, there's obviously conflict and people believe different things or this is the way you should worship God or this is the way you should worship God. I mean, it has led to many many conflicts throughout history. Um, Philosophers have wrestled with the question for thousands of years. If you read Aristotle and Socrates and all these people throughout history, they've really struggled with trying to define truth and trying to figure out what it is. Um, And and I'd I'd say it's, it's, it's interesting to read their conclusions and compare that to uh, what Christ taught when he was on this earth, because there's there's very di- big differences, major differences. Uh, universities offer classes or even degrees in philosophy, which is basically you know 
study of truth or what is, what is real, what is not real. Um, some say truth is relative and there is no such thing as absolute truth. Many of the best universities in the world today will say, we don't really know what is true. There's no absolute truth. And they say that very confidently, like it's a true statement, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, however, uh, however, the search for truth, even if you don't believe there's absolute truth, it's hardwired into all humans. From the day we are born, um, if you watch kids as they grow up, they're constantly like looking and constantly absorbing, constantly asking questions. I don't know if there's any parents here, but I'm sure as a parent, there's times where Mom, why are you doing this? Dad, why are you doing that? Dad, like they're just constantly processing and trying to, to absorb what is going on around them and make sense of the world. And that's like, I think it's a beautiful way that God has wired us, um, and especially children, even though it can be a little challenging at times. Uh, the way we answer these questions or ignore them has a profound impact on our lives. It's directly coupled to life's biggest questions like, who am I? What is the purpose and meaning of life or my life? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Why does any of this matter anyway? Or if you're a parent, why do the kids keep fighting? Why is the house a mess? <laughs> okay, those might not be the big questions, but they're relevant questions. Um, they're, 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 and they are kind of coupled to all of this. Um, but our search is much more than simply a search. It's actually an epic battle that rages within all of us, around us. We see it as we wrestle with it in many different ways. Um, I'm going to go through kind of a list of different ways that we see this played out in our lives. And hopefully you can relate to some of these things as I go through it. And what I want to do is I just want to paint a little visual picture. Um, I was going to put a slide together, but I unfortunately didn't, didn't get, get around to doing it. So what I'm going to do is, I'm, basically, if you look up on stage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this side over here is truth, okay? And if you draw kind of like an axis, or if you're an engineer, we like to do plots a lot, right? So you'll have truth on one side, and then what would be kind of the opposite of truth? Lies, exactly. So if we have truth on this side, then lies would be on the other side. And so basically, we're going to have this little line with an arrow pointing between the two, okay? And so somewhere between that two, between those two, almost all beliefs or thoughts or arguments we can kind of position. Are we like on the truth side or are we like on the lie side? So truth versus lies. Okay, what about if we have belief on this side, like a belief in, in something that is true versus Unbelief, yeah, or, or believing in nothing, or believing in something that is false, right? Um, what about light? We have light versus darkness. Versus darkness, yeah. Um, what about sight versus blindness? And as you read scripture, you'll see that scripture uses these 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 ima this imagery time and time again as it explains things to us. Uh, what about Authentic versus fake, counterfeit. How many of you guys would like to go to a store, get the brand new smartphone, take it home, start playing with it, and find out it's like a cheap knockoff imitation, but you paid full price? <laughs> it would be, a, I mean, it seems like a funny thing, but in reality, our lives are, life is full of things that appear to be real and people pay full price 
And then when they when they get them home, it's their cheap knockoffs time and time again. And it and people's lives are impacted for for a long time, you know, <laughs> severely. Uh, what about freedom versus slavery. slavery or bondage? Yeah, exactly. Um, how about love versus Ooh, this is a tricky one. Most people's first instinct is to say hate. But I don't think that's quite the right answer. Love, what is the opposite of love? Selfishness. It's not hate. Hate is not bad. Hate, if you hate what is evil, that's actually a commandment that we're supposed to hate what is evil. Misplaced hate is not a good thing. But love versus selfishness. When we love ourselves more than we love others or love ourselves more than Christ. That is, that is definitely uh, on the other side of the spectrum. What about life versus death? Yeah. Or good versus... Yeah, you guys got this. Man. Y'all are good. So only a couple more. What about God versus... Yes. Or how about eternal perspective versus temporal or, fi- or just living for the here and now? You know, living for eternity versus I just want to have fun right now. Does, don't, don't care what the consequences are. Or what about, one more tricky one, what about works versus? Ooh, there's a couple of good answers. Works versus, I would argue it's grace. I would argue faith and grace. Sorry, am I switching my hands? I'm sorry. Sorry, I switched my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. So, you're right. Grace versus. Okay. Sorry. I'm just just making sure y'all are paying attention. But yeah, works versus grace and faith. Okay. My bad. Um, so you see these this imagery throughout Scripture, and it's 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 really um, important to kind of understand that like our whole lives we can we can kind of visualize. At least I've found as I get older, every time I'm struggling with something, I can kind of put it on this line and say, hey, am I going in this direction or am I going in this direction? You know, am I going towards what I know the Lord would have me do or am I kind of running away from it? Um, Whether you like it or not, finding and wrestling with truth is a lifelong quest. Um, It's, you never just like are, while we're on this earth, I wish I could say like, we're going to be like, bam, we made it all the way to truth perfectly and we're never going to struggle with sin and we're never going to struggle with all these things. But, but the reality is, it's not a finite, like, just, just in engineering, we say a binary outcome. It's either yes or no. It's, it's like we're moving in this direction or we're moving in that direction. And sometimes it's by leaps and bounds, but other times it's slow and it's, 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 it's a painful process. Um, so movies have tried to portray this quest, this struggle for truth, in many different ways. Tonight we're going to talk about one of these movies briefly. Um, it's called The Matrix. Has anybody seen The Matrix? Few folks haven't seen The Matrix. Okay, if you haven't, don't worry, because the, the, the premise of it is a pretty simple one, which I'll explain. Um, we're going to talk about The Matrix just briefly. We're going to discuss some things that may be distracting us from truth. Um, hopefully, we will be challenged maybe a little by this. Um, we're going to dig into the best source of written truth that we have, God's Word, and see what it says about this topic. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time asking the Lord uh, to help us open up our eyes to truth. We'll just spend some time in prayer at the end. So, without further ado, I'm gonna, uh, we'll talk about this movie. So, The Matrix, it came out in like 99 time frame. And it was, it was a sci-fi movie. 
Um, and it it was a really big hit. It was actually written by by two brothers that were not very well known, uh, didn't really have much fame or anything to them. And this movie, when it hit the theaters, people were like stunned because it was like just mind blowing. I remember when I went, I heard all this talk about it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm not a big sci fi fan. It's a sci fi movie, so if you don't like sci fi, you probably won't like it. Um, but I, I heard all this talk about it, and I remember thinking, okay, I'll go to the movie and check it out, the movie theater and check it out. And like, I sat through the movie, and I was like, I was, I was like very entertained. Like it was, it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like I walked around, walked out of there, like wanting to do like slow motion kung fu moves and like all weird stuff. I mean, it's, it was, it's kind of a mind warping, interesting movie. But um, I want to add this disclaimer. First of all, it's not for kids, um, so I would definitely recommend you don't don't have kids watch it that are not uh, pretty mature and can kind of sort through the difference of nonsense garbage Hollywood stuff versus you know reality. Um, it it was written by some people that are lost, um, that don't know the Lord, and um, they were not trying to lead people to Jesus. They were you know they they everybody even if you don't know God you you know there's something inside that needs to seek truth like it's just wired into us and so. They, they could relate to that, that desire to seek what is true. And so they came up with this really pretty neat script of, of playing that out in a sci-fi sense. Um, so uh, the basic uh, premise of the movie is it's set in a future world where the Matrix, quote-unquote, has taken over and controls everything. Humans are kept in a suspended dreamlike state while the Matrix extracts energy from their bodies as they sleep and in this, and basically, these human bodies are in these incubators, and they think they're living lives. They think that they're going around, you know, just doing everything like a normal person. But in reality, they're completely trapped in 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 these incubators, and they cannot. Um, they don't really actually have free choice or free will or anything. They're just trapped in this in this matrix. Um, so, um, let's see here. Um, in this dreamlike state, there's there's the um, the protagonist. His name is Neo. Uh, he knows that something doesn't make sense, and he starts searching for answers. He meets this group of of strange re- rebels um, and starts talking with them. And eventually, he meets their leader named Morpheus. Um, and these rebels are basically rebelling against the Matrix. They're trying to fight it. They're trying to break away from it and conquer it. Um, and so what I'm going to do, we're going to watch a really short scene here where Neo is introduced to Morpheus and they discuss, like all of a sudden the lights are turning on for Neo and he's starting to, to realize why things are, like what is going on. People are starting to feed him a little bit more information. Um, so, so in this, you're going to see, he's going to say, there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it is there, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. So we're going to jump into the scene where Neo meets Morpheus and they discuss this strange thing that's going on and try to figure out, you know, what the matrix is. So I'm going to go ahead and pull that up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so while we're not fighting the quote-unquote matrix, there are definitely some very interesting parallels between what you saw portrayed on the screen versus what we as Christians are, are facing. Um, did you guys catch that um, the part where he said, uh, "What truth?" And then Morpheus answers that you're a slave. And we as Christians, 
we we were born well as before before we became to Christ we were born into this world into a sinful world that essentially made us prisoners to slavery you know we are slaves to sin the bible says um yeah born into bondage it's and they said that um another interesting part is he told um he said he said unfortunately no one can uh tell you what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself with Christ when we come to Christ people can tell you all day long about Christ but until the holy spirit actually like opens up somebody's eyes and allows them to realize who God is and 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 basically shows them the truth it, it, it they can't really understand it so you know the holy spirit plays this incredible role um in our lives so um I want to just kind of talk briefly about a few things that may be keeping us away from the truth. And these are things that as Christians, um I think we struggle with. Um I know this list might even be some things that in my life throughout different stages in my life I've I've personally struggled with. And so um I apologize if uh if I'm I'm not trying to imply anything other than these are things I've personally experienced. So um I think one of the things that that keeps us away from the str- the truth is just sometimes foolishness. I mean, just to be honest, there's times in my life where I've been a fool. Um we think we know better than God. You know, we might read a scripture and we might say God doesn't really mean that. I mean, like and so we try to like rationalize all these things and come up with all these reasons why we know better than what is pretty clearly said in scripture. Um and to be honest, like that I think that's that's just because of the nature of being being foolish at times. Um you see this played out in in with parents if you're a parent um I don't know if you've ever had children but you're try or you maybe even if you're not a parent you've seen other parents deal with this where you're trying to lead a child to truth. You're like okay, you really shouldn't do that thing. Like you shouldn't uh climb next to the 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 fireplace. Like there's a fire in there, it could burn you. and you you use all of the you speak in like the simplest terms you you use the most you know you try to illustrate it in ways that a child can understand but yet the child rejects what is going on and sometimes just has to find out the hard way we do that with god like god i think sometimes simplifies things as much as he can and he tries to explain things in a simple way and we just like ah, come on god you don't know what you're talking about like i've done i found myself doing that time and time again and then all of a sudden my hand is burning and i'm like oh man god really knew what he was talking about um or or you see it around in the world around us rejecting god's design for life is rampant rejecting god's design for male and female gender roles is everywhere people are obsessed in the world glorifies people that reject the gender that God gave them um and try to you know transition to to other sex or opposite sex you see it rejected in the way God created sex for a beautiful design a purpose and a plan and but yet the world says ah well, you don't really need to be married you don't need to be committed to that person you should just have sex because it feels good blah 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 and you see that it leads to brokenness after brokenness i have dozens of friends that accept the belief that sex can just be enjoyed with any two consenting adults and without end those people literally have the most broken unfulfilling sex lives in the world that i know and i have many people that 
have fought hard to try to keep sex in, with the, the design that God had for it. And it's a hard, it's a battle because there's so much, it's a struggle. I mean, when Emily and I were, were courting, it was hard to, to try not to become sexually active with each other because it, your body's just raging. All those things are happening. But praise God, when you put sex into, when you enjoy it in the way God designed it, it is a wonderful, awesome, beautiful thing. And so, you know, the world's way of doing things versus God's way are very, very in stark contrast. How about marriage? The world views marriage as something that, you know, doesn't matter, male, female, boy, girl, 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 whatever, you know, they just kind of mix it and match it however they want. That wasn't God's design. And, and you know, when you, people are, don't want to admit this, but when you actually look at people that, that adopt these, all, these alternate forms of marriage, it, it, it has major heartbreak and it almost always ends poorly. Um, and, and yet God had a very clear design right from the very beginning. Um, Romans 1.25, I'm just going to read one verse, but this whole, the whole book of Romans is amazing. So I'd say if, if you haven't picked something to read this coming week, Man, if you read through the book of Romans, it's phenomenal. But it says in Romans 1.25, it says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. And you see that in the world all around us. People worship the creation and ignore the creator constantly. Or they worship, they basically put all these lifestyles and things into a, into a a category that, that basically makes them like an idol almost, and they ignore God, the creator. Um, we can be lazy at times. I don't know about you guys, but um, there are times when I'm lazy, where I'd rather just kind of sleep an extra 30 minutes than get up a little early and spend some time praying and reading reading scripture. Does anybody, am I alone? Does anybody ever experience that? Oh, man. Okay, there's a few other people that are willing to admit it. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes we can just be lazy. Um, sometimes we can be very stubborn. We get kind of set in our ways, and we don't want to realize that maybe our ways are not the best ways. Um, or um, we can see we can we can overemphasize our carnal senses. So our carnal senses being like you know touch, sight, sound, taste. You know, did you know our carnal senses lie to us? Like. They actually do. Like, this, this is something, a silly little thing. So this is a, a pretty strong pin, right? And our eyes actually lie to us quite often. We just, we just kind of don't always realize it. But with a simple little pin, you can make it look like, probably as a kid, you've done this before. If you, if you move it in a certain way, it looks like the pin is like rubber, and it looks like it's bending. You can see that? I mean, your eyes are telling you one thing right now. You're like, wow, that's a rubbery pin. <laughs> the reality is it's not. And in life, our, our senses, our carnal senses, do that to us again and again and again. And then you tie those carnal senses um, with emotions, with your imagination, and with fear. And all of a sudden, the world can go crazy. Like, 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 like seriously. I mean, things get wacky. Um, one of the things, as my girls are growing up, I, I, I like to try to challenge them when they're struggling with, with uh, fears that are not based in reality. And so a simple thing, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but um, like asking your kids to take out the trash at night. 
like to a child. <laughs> I saw some eyes light up. Like to a child, that's like, whoa. <laughs> like, but the reality is if you can teach children when they're young to be able to realize the difference between a fear based in reality versus a, an irrational fear, it, it is a huge blessing as they get older in life. Um, just something as simple as going downstairs. Just last night, one of my older girls left something downstairs. Nobody was downstairs. Lights were off, and she didn't want to go downstairs by herself. And I'm like, I'm like sweetheart, I love you, and I promise if the boogeyman comes for you, I will come and get him. But I'm not going downstairs with you right now. And she did not like that. But eventually, she actually went downstairs in a little bit of a huff, and she got her what she was looking for. But like just trying to help kids and and as we're adults deal and struggle with those things because truth is important even when it comes to those issues. Um, here's another thing that sometimes definitely derails me when 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 trying to speak truth. Instead of speaking truth, I get caught up in like speaking political political things. You know, I don't know if you guys ever ever struggle with that, but. One of the things I think is a really good test for if we're, we're putting politics before Christ is when you're in a discussion, at the end of the discussion, can you look back and say, was Christ glorified? Was he lifted up? Was, he, was I an example of, of Christ? And did this discussion lead somebody closer to Christ? Or did it just try to win a political debate? And if you're just winning political debates and leaving Christ out of it, I don't know if there's really much fruit to, at least my, myself personally, I haven't, I haven't found much fruit to, uh, to those discussions. Um, another thing we struggle with is pride and self-righteousness. I don't know, hopefully I'm not the only prideful person here, <laughs> but man, pride can really stink at times, especially you tie that with self, being self-righteous and thinking, oh yeah, I'm on this moral high ground. I've you know, blah, 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 or I've been through this, or you justify it with so many different things. And man, it blinds you. It can totally blind you. Um, And so just being mindful of that and constantly praying that God would help us not to be prideful and self-righteous is is a huge, huge thing we need to work at. Um, Another interesting thing that can steer us away from truth is entertainment. Um, this has a major influence on our lives. There's many forms of entertainment. Music can be awesome. Music can lead us to God. Music can also just like pull us away from God. Like there's songs that they sound good. They have a great beat and they all, you know, and then all of a sudden you start listening to the words and they get in your head and then, you know, you're thinking about things. And before you realize it, like God's over here like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you're kind of just following. You're just jumping in with whatever it is or or. Another form of entertainment is games. Um, people get pulled away from, from, you know, does God really, do you think God at the end of our lives will look back and say, congratulations, you, you beat the boogeyman 18 times in the, the epic quest for such and such game? I mean, does that really? Like, I mean, at the end of our lives, I, 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 I would be surprised if, if how well we did in games or how much time we spent in games. I, there was a time in my life where I spent hours and hours and hours working on Mario Brothers. Are there any Mario Brother brothers out there? Oh, man. Mario Brothers. I, I could win Mario Brothers with 99 lives. 
I was I was very proud of my <laughs> like I knew where all the secret little passages were and how to get all those extra points and um, but it was all for naught you know like looking back it was it was it didn't really do anything to honor God or glorify Him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, games, mo- movies, TV shows, all of those things, guys, they just pull our minds in a totally different re- direction. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on some toes. Y'all ready? Look, I got steel toe boots tonight. See? Steel toe boots. Get ready, guys. Here we go. Online activities, social media, news websites. Guys. The, the internet is set up for something called brain jacking. Do you guys, have you heard that term before? The people in Silicon Valley do not care how much you love Jesus. <laughs> they care how many times you click on their website because they make money. All of these quote-unquote free websites, the, the only way they stay in business is because they get you clicking on them again and again. They don't care. They want you to spend all your mental capacity reading their articles, reading their headlines, getting upset or aggravated at the other political party because can you believe how blah, 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 fill in the blanks. You know, that's what, that's what Silicon Valley actually, that's, they don't care. And it's called brain jacking. And it's, a, it's like a science that they, they, they use to take people's minds out of their own control and just to make profits. And it wreaks havoc upon our, all of us. You know, um, Facebook, guys, if you're connecting and, and sharing love with your family and friends on Facebook, praise God. That's awesome. If you're like throwing political arrows and darts at each other and beating each other up and trying to win political fights on Facebook, I've never seen any fruit, like, I've never seen any, like, good long-term fruit come from that. I'll challenge you. Here's my challenge. Go sit down with that person face-to-face and have a godly discussion on a topic. Like, I think that is so much more. I've seen fruit come from that, but I haven't really seen a whole lot of fruit from people just, like, like venting their frustrations with the world and with our broken system uh, on Facebook. So that's just my personal opinion. Wes, that's a disclaimer. So don't, don't judge Alamo Stone for my frustration with Facebook. I've actually, this, this is pretty neat. Emily told me something recently that I was, I was blown away with. She said throughout the day she was noticing that she was putting time and energy into Facebook and, and not spending as much quality time with our girls. And so she blocked Facebook on her phone. She just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block it so I don't, I don't have to deal with that. I was like, wow. They, like, I, I didn't even know that was something she was struggling with, but she, she just did it. And I was like, that is beautiful. <laughs> like, so occasionally she'll get, after the girls are in bed and, and stuff, she might check something. Or the other day we were looking for a new car because I wrecked our <laughs> current car. And Facebook has used car postings. So she helped me do some searching for that. But I mean, look, okay, Facebook can be okay. I'm not saying it's like horrible, but like Pinterest, guys, have you ever imagined, like when our youth grow up comparing like their their hairdo with like all the, the most liked hairdos, like it is just a recipe for frustration in life. Like when, when adult, like, the reality is, guys, like, does anybody care, like, what if you have the newest 
sofa or the newest rug or like like what your house looks like. I mean, those are sure that's interesting, but don't like if we allow it to like distract us from Christ and to pull us away to the point where we're not reading scripture, where we're not praying, where we're not loving our neighbors with the love of Christ, like all of those things that we're called to do, if we're not caring for each other, then all of a sudden it is a problem. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, but I I just, it breaks my heart when I see families that are quote unquote sitting together and everybody's like on their own device. Have you ever walked into a restaurant and you see that like family dinner time, like everybody's sitting there and there's like no connection between people. They're all just like in their own little mental, like, you know, artificial, it's, it's like the matrix. It's like their brains are plugged into some source of information and reality that's not real, and they're ignoring the real reality that's right around them. So just be careful for that. Um, as 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 you know, you might not be tempted in that area. I know I have been, and I struggle with that. So um, desire for more stuff, guys. In America, you the American dream says, app, you know, house, picket fence, apple pie, dog. You know, you can work so hard, you can have all these material possessions. And that's like one of your rights as an American. Well, guys, I know so many Americans that have so much stuff and in, in, in their hearts they're so broken. Like, they, they're, like, don't let your quest for a house or a car or, or, or a dog steal your heart from, from your, your quest to pursue Christ. I know, I know it sounds funny, but I struggle with it at work. I, I work in a very secular environment, and there's people, man, there's people driving nice cars. Like, like when I wrecked my car, the first thought was, you know, I need to replace our car with a nice car. <laughs> like, I, like, I was like, I can afford a nice car. <laughs> but, but as I prayed about it and Emily talked about it, we realized, like, why? Like, what does it, like, sure, it's an, if you get a nice car, you got to worry about kids scratching it and throwing up in the seats. I mean, what's the, what, where's the joy in that? So, so we, praise God, we found a car that was the same year with almost the same miles for a wonderful price. And they didn't have kids because the inside of it was not trashed out. So, <laughs> so we have a car now. But um, anyway, yeah, the quest for stuff, man, it, it's tough. It's a challenge for me. Um, we also have a rebellious nature just because of the sin nature that we were born into. Um, rejecting truth has a devastating impact on people's lives. So um, these are some of the ways you, you've, you, you've probably seen this played out in people's lives where they reject truth. So instead of desiring um desiring to actually like experience God and have like good feelings in life because they're like following God, they start using abusing substances. Like people, when they're broken inside and life kind of sucks, they turn to things quite often doctors. A lot of the, I don't know if you've noticed, but our, our country is, is, has an epidemic of, of prescription and illegal drug abuse right now. It's, it is destroying lives all across this country. Um, and that's just one of, the, one of the symptoms of rejecting God and running away from God. Um, how about anger and rage? We, we, we live in a, in a world where people are pretty anger, angry and full of rage. And guys, if you're angry at what is evil, that's one thing. But if you're angry because somebody cut you off when you were driving 
and you want to cuss them out or whatever, that's that's not a good that's that's not a good thing. Um, we also see how our nation um, there's an increase, massive amounts of increases in problems with mental health, with depression. Um, and they've found that there's actually a correlation between, um, especially especially in our youth, there's actually a clear correlation between how much time we spend online and our, our children's mental health. I know this sounds bizarre, but if you, if you basically take kids that spend a lot of time online and they, they're more likely to struggle with depression and anxiety and, and all these mental health things. Um, and... And I don't think it's just kids. I think adults actually can struggle with that too. Uh, one of the interesting things is that I saw recently. Um, I went to a uh, this this um, so what is the name of the radio station? What's the radio station that does a lot of talk? Uh, no, it's a public radio station, NPR, National Public Radio. So locally, they had this um, event where they they wanted to host people to come and to discuss. Um, they called it uh, resilience. Human resilience was the topic. And so basically, they said, look, why can some people bounce back after horrible tragedies in life? Why do some people bounce back and some people just stay knocked over and can't seem to rebound? And so they had a professor from UTSA. They had a Holocaust survivor. And they had a lady who works with a nonprofit that deals directly with families that have lost children. So, so basically, they had these three people that, that live and breathe around people that have, have, have struggled with mental health. So the guy from UTSA, he was, he was in the military. And his study, he spends his life studying uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and trying to understand how we can help people that are struggling with PTSD. Uh, the woman from the Holocaust obviously went through living hell and lost pretty much all of her family members um, and had a story to tell. And then the, the woman that works with a nonprofit deals day-to-day with families that have lost children and trying to help them recover from that. And so they, they each had a time where they could share and talk about um, their experience and things they think help and, and the, you know what the cutting-edge research is. And so the guy from UTSA talked for a while, and he gave a very secular response to dealing with, with this. Basically, didn't mention God, didn't mention hope, didn't mention, like, maybe, like, anything eternal. It was all very, very much just like, well, there's these drugs we're studying, and these things might help people, and, and this and this and this. The woman from the Holocaust, I don't know if you've ever heard a Holocaust survivor share their personal story. Oh, my goodness. It was really powerful. I, I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's it like, man, I'm sitting there. I just, she went through hell. Like worse, you, if you think your life is like tough, <laughs> like we ain't got nothing to complain about, guys. Holy cow. Um, and she said the only thing that got her through was knowing that God was with her and knowing that there was hope that it would end, that, that the Lord would, be there with her and there was hope that it would end and she also mentioned there was like one other family member that that they kind of confided in each other but basically knowing God having hope and having some family around was what like the only thing she's the way she survived what she went through Um, and then they had the lady that works with the nonprofit, and she shared about 
how just God, it's a secular nonprofit. So she, she had to be, it was interesting because she was kind of careful not to like talk about like God being in it. But, but in the end, she like looked at the lady from the Holocaust that shared the Holocaust survivor. And she said, thank you for talking about faith and how your faith played a role in this. And it was interesting because at the very end, they were asking the audience for, for questions. And so they were going around and I was just sitting there like, like the guy from UTSA like totally avoided talking about, about faith. And so I was like mentally trying to prepare myself to say, well, have you guys ever studied how faith can impact people, you know, recovering from this? So I was mentally psyching myself up, you know, in this audience for like a hundred people to, to ask the question. And the, audience, the mic's getting past my way. It gets handed to a lady right next to me, and the lady goes, have you considered people's spiritual faith in how that impacts their lives? <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, Lord. <laughs> I guess I, um, and, and she, her husband actually is in the Army and is a full-time, uh, works for the Army full-time helping people with PTSD. And she said the Army has recognized that if people have faith, in, in God, it absolutely helps them recover from, from life from tragedies. And so the guy from UTSA responded. He's like, well, yeah, we know that kind of, there, there's something there, but we can't write a prescription for it. So, 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 so he recognized, like people recognize that our faith, our walking with God, knowing truth matters. But yet the secular world can't write a prescription for it. So they kind of blow it off and they just, you know, they just move on. Um, so anyway, my point is truth in all of our areas of life, guys, it helps us. It, it, it totally changes the way we look at things. Um, if you're fighting addictions, if, if you study organizations that include faith as part of the recovery process for, for people that struggle with addictions versus secular organizations that ignore faith, I don't know if you, you might not be surprised because you guys are following Christ. The people that put faith as a central part of their recovery process do much, much better than people that ignore faith. Significantly better. It's amazing. Um, one of the cool things, Emily's dad, for like the last 20-something years, he gets up early on Sunday mornings and he goes to, um, he goes to a, what is it called, babe? It's a treatment center for, drug, for people that are drug and alcohol abusers. So basically, it's their last stop before they go to jail. So the judge will say, look, if you go and you spend six or eight weeks in this treatment center and you stay clean, you can stay out of jail. So he goes on Sunday mornings, gets up early before his family's awake. He goes to the treatment center, and he loves on those guys. He has a, ch- he has a ch- chapel service with them. He basically does church with a bunch of broken people that are just desperate for truth and this is amazing guys his treatment center if you look at the one that he goes to has statistically significant better rates of 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 helping people than other treatment centers do you think that's a coincidence (laughs) no way here's a guy who's had double lung transplant who has a depressed immune system, who is hip is failing, who's really kind of going through a hard time in life. And he, he, the second he could get back to that treatment center, he was back in there loving on the, the addicts. 
like just leading people to Jesus and telling them what an awesome God we serve. I mean, that is like such a beautiful thing. I, I don't know about you guys, but that like, that kind of gets me excited to just, Christ is the answer, guys, you know? One other thing Emily mentioned recently, there, there was a study, she's reading a book called Unlock Your Brain. Is that what it's called? Turn on your brain. So she's talking about the study that was done recently about um, people that have AIDS and how the virus affects their blood cell counts. And this is crazy, guys. People that have AIDS that are Christians, their bodies fight the AIDS virus significantly better than people that don't know the Lord. Like you can literally look at their white blood cell counts and you can almost from from the test results almost draw a clear, you can draw a clear correlation between people that know Christ and how well their body is doing fighting this disease versus people that don't have Christ. My, pretty crazy, but that, it's, it's just one of those side effects that, that is awesome about our God. And, and it's not only true, they've done studies for people that live a long time and oh, surprise, surprise, people that love God and follow him and like, walk with God, live like 10 to 15 years longer than, than people that are bitter and angry at the world and, and don't love God. And, and it, it's, it's very, very amazing how God blesses us when we follow him. Um, so I want to read a few scriptures tonight. Um, so uh, let's see, did anybody bring their Bibles or, or your smart devices? Um, as you guys know, we've talked already about our world is full of sin, brokenness, evil, lies, what is the answer, guys? It's Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's Christ, and, it is, and he is awesome. Um, we must turn away from our sinful nature and follow Christ. Renewing that commitment minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, it is a lifelong battle or race. It's an epic battle. How should we interact with this world? I love this story. Um, we live in a broken world, guys. As Christians, we can sit up, we can basically like throw truth at people, like truth bombs, you know, like, oh, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> ah, stop <laughs> sinning. Ah, ah. You know, like basically we can do that, which is, a, I think, a, not at all the way God wants us to interact with the world. Um, or we can do what Jesus did, which is really awesome. Jesus, I don't know if you guys remember this story, there was a woman caught in adultery. And back in those times, the Jewish law said, if you were caught in adultery, and there was a witness that basically said it, you know, it was confirmed adultery, you would be stoned to death. That is, that's what their law called for. And so Jesus is standing there, and the Jewish leaders bring this, drag this woman in front of him. And they say, this woman is an adulteress. What do we do? You know, they were, they were trying to mess with Jesus. And Jesus, you know, he, 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 he was awesome. He, he said, I'll tell you what, guys. Why don't the, why didn't the first one of you without sin cast the first stone? They knew in their hearts that they were all guilty of sin and breaking God's laws. And so Jesus directly spoke truth. He didn't say, oh, she's not really sinning. Ah, oh, she didn't love her husband anymore. It's okay. She, she didn't, he didn't justify her sin. 
He didn't make excuses. He spoke directly to the situation. And before you, you know, the people responded by dropping the stones and walking away. You know, and as, as Christians, when we have to confront brokenness in this world, I think we need to follow Christ's example. Um, it says in um, it says in John eight uh, verses eleven and twelve. This is when Jesus asks the woman. Uh, he says, "Where are your accusers? The people that dropped their stones and walked away?" And she says, "No one, Lord." She answers, and then Jesus said, uh, "Then neither do I condemn you." Jesus declared. Now go and sin no more. Once again, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Guys, Jesus didn't just say, you're a sinner. He didn't say all the things that you hear Christians saying today. Jesus said, go and sin no more. You know? So I just hope that 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 can be a a great encouragement for us as we live in a broken, fallen world all around us. Um, Are we walking in darkness or are we walking in the light? Jesus said, he said, Jesus spoke and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but walk in light. You know, I think as Christians, we do this sometimes. We're like following Jesus like we're on the interstate, right? And Jesus is like right ahead and we're just following him. And all of a sudden, we see these exit signs with these little temptations, you know, these little things like, oh, what's that? And occasionally, we get on those exit ramps. And before long, we start realizing, oh, man, that was a bad exit ramp. It's getting dark. And so, you know, when we're around other believers and people to kind of pull us back and say, hey, dude, you shouldn't have taken that exit. That's the wrong one. You know, we can steer each other back into the light and into, into Christ and following him. And that's part of God's design to live in fellowship with each other. Um, if someone could check, here's a, here's a simple question. If someone could check our internet history, if, if Jesus or our kids read our internet history, what would they see? You know, how would, how would, I think it's a good simple way to ask ourselves, you know, are we, are we, are we walking truly in the light or are we kind of taking those exit ramps just at our, at our will and doing the things we want to do? Um, John 15 or John, excuse me, John 14 verses five and six um, addressed a really important question. The world for years have, have, has come up with ways to get to God for years. People in this world, religions have said, Oh, you got to do this to get to God. Oh, this is how you get to God. Oh, this, 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 this. And Jesus really kind of summed it all up pretty quickly. He was talking to his disciples, talking, telling them, um, this was during the Last Supper. So Jesus is actually about ready to be crucified. Jesus predicted his death. He told what's going to happen. And he says, I'm going to, to the Father to prepare a place. And, and Thomas is well, how are we going to follow there, you there? We don't know how to get there. And Jesus said to him, uh, Jesus said to Thomas, or excuse me, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know, uh, know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
you know, Judaism was this system of legalism and laws and, and acts of worship. And, and it, was, it was basically a works-based uh, salvation that no Jew could perfectly fulfill. Um, and so Jesus really addressed, you know, in, in the disciples' minds, this whole concept of, of Jesus being the way was a, was a revolutionary thing for them that they were struggling with. Um, and Jesus very clearly said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We live in a world that loves to think there are many roads that lead to heaven. I think in love, as, as Christians in love, you know, Jesus didn't say that. Um, and a lot of times we Christians have this tendency to think that, oh, as long as somebody is sincere in what they believe, as long as they're sincere, maybe, maybe that's good enough to, you know, to enter heaven. But as Christians, guys, if we know the truth, if the truth is in us, and we know what Jesus said about these other ways don't get to the Father, and he's the only way. It's a simple test if we're really living that out in our life. If we care for other people, if we love people like we're supposed to love people, then we're going to, in love, try to talk to people. We can't help but not try to talk to people. And yeah, sir, that means it'll be, it, it might be awkward at times. Yeah, it might be challenging. But if we just sit there and try to keep truth to ourselves, we're epically not fulfilling the call God has for us. It's not enough just to know the truth of ourselves. We have to speak it in this world. We have to love, speak truth in love to the world around us. Um, without the truth um, or Christ, we are dead and can find, um, and we can find, excuse me, we can find true life only in Christ. Um, I'm going to read from Ephesians 2.10, which paints this beautiful picture of before Christ being in darkness and then Christ kind of turning on the lights and like us being able to see. Um, so this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and, and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age, he might show the incom incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Guys, God prepared in advance for us to do good works. God has an amazing plan for us. And if, if we realize we, we were all dead in, this, in, in sin, in, in, in you know, following lies and deception and deceit, and in Christ, as he turns on that light, we realize, whoa, there's a room around me. There's chairs in front of me. There's things like I don't have to trip over all this stuff anymore. I can actually see. And when that light turns on, sometimes it takes a while for us to kind of make sense and understand what is around us. You know, the, the scripture, or, or I guess in, you know, in, in seminary camps, they use these terms. They use this term uh, justification and sanctification. And justification is like when we are justified through Christ. So basically, we, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, and God forgives us of our sins. And all of a sudden, because of what God has, has taken those sins away from us, we are justified in Christ. And then sanctification is becoming more like Christ. And that's the lifelong process of, of figuring out how do we follow Christ in, in the context of our workplace, in the context of our school, in the context of relationships, our family, you know, all the hardships that, 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 that we struggle with. Um, and it's not easy, guys. And I don't think God actually wanted it to be easy. Um, so... We're, we're, we're almost done here. I just have a couple last things I want to talk about. Um, so quite often, the challenge is not finding truth, but accepting and fully giving or yielding ourselves to the truth. This is so true. Like, as Christians, we know what the truth is. But Christians, we often, we often struggle with, okay, I know that's true, but do I really want to, like... Like, I, I think, I, God, I just would really like to, you know, do this other thing for a little while and, and instead of doing what we know God's called us to do. And so I want to just spend a couple minutes um, in prayer. And um, what I want to do, we have enough. I don't have a lot of pins, but what I, what I want to do is if tonight anything has um, come to your mind that might be areas... Um, that you're like, God, I just want to, I realize in this area of my life, I haven't fully yielded to you or I'm holding something back from you or I'm struggling to make you Lord over this area of my life. Um, I want to pass these cards around. We'll just spend a couple minutes in prayer. And I love it if you guys would write whatever it is that that area is on or is in. Don't have to put your name. It can be anonymous. Just write it down. Um, And then... So there's a cross up here. So if we could all, at the, at, after we're done praying, if we could take our cards and just put them at the foot of the cross and just kind of symbolically say, God, I want to I yield this part of my life to you. Just to throw a few ideas out there that we've already talked about some of these, but just to kind of jog your memory. Um, one of the things I think I struggle with and I think others struggle with, I don't know if, if you do, but how about the appearance of either our physical bodies or of our job title or um, or just just 
just our bodies in general. Have we accepted the body God has given us? Or are we struggling to accept the way God has made us? Does that make sense? You know, are we believing a lie that maybe maybe if we just looked a little different or, or, or had different color hair or skin or this or that, that maybe we'd be better? Like, have, have you accepted the, the God, body God's given you? Here's another lie that I think we often fall into is the color of our skin or our ethnicity. I don't know if, if, if uh, you, you've known, ever heard this, but in America, there's like these, these um, surveys that, that can be taken to see if people have prejudices or, or just like naturally kind of discriminate against different ethnicities. And there was a survey that was done, this was quite a while ago, and they were trying to figure out if there was, if, if you could test to see if people had any prejudice against, um, against like African Americans versus, you know, the other races and stuff like that. And so what they would do is they would flash images of, of people um, they would basically show really quickly these different images, and then you'd have to pick um, a category that went with those images. And so they did it really fast. So it's it's almost subliminal. It's not you don't have time to think about it. But what what they found is that in America, there people don't even realize this, but there even in America that people of uh, African Americans view their own race negatively sometimes like they actually have prejudice against their own race and so if that exists in america obviously you know with with own within the own african-american community obviously that that's a struggle for for other you know demographics other groups as well and so my point is do you view your own self with any types of do you realize who god has made you or are you negatively uh prejudiced against who God has made you, if that makes sense. Um, or maybe it might be the family you were born into. Do you, or do you get upset with God about your family? Or, you know, maybe thinking, oh, if I was only born with these parents instead of these parents. Like, I know there are good parents and there are bad parents out there. But God has you where you are. And right now, you can choose to love the parents God has given you or to get upset and frustrated. Um, or sometimes people think, if I could just earn a little bit more money, you know, is that something? The struggle for money, wealth, um, entertainment of this world. Do you guys, do you ever struggle with, oh, if, I know I should spend some time in the Word. I should spend some time praying. I should go help this person. But man, there's that new movie that just came out. And oh man, that, that, I've been really wanting to see that movie. You know, what, how do we prioritize our time in those areas? Um, are we taking care of our spiritual health? Or are we not? Uh, what, are, what is our thought life like? I'm going to read one last scripture and then we'll pray. And then as I pray, if you guys want to write anything down, you go ahead and write it down. And then Ross, you can come up while I'm praying and uh, we'll end with a little time of uh, prayer and some worship. Uh, but this is from Philippians 4.8. Uh, and it reads like this. It says, finally, brothers and sisters. He's writing writing the church in uh, the Philippians, uh, Philippi, who is Christians. He's writing to Christians. He says, finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is 